Air's connecting. Air's connected. Here comes music, and we'll get going. Tax the rich, feed the poor, tell there are no rich no more. All right, so would we, Alvin. We're sure peddling as hard as we can. Um, here we go on the Thursday edition of the Radio Ranch. Roger Sales with you, and we're streaming on the Eurofolk Radio Network and on the radio.globalvoiceradio.net network. And today's date stamped to January the 5th, the fifth day into this new year that we're all embarking upon. And uh, with uh, all kinds of unknowns everywhere. But it certainly is exciting. So good morning to everybody. We were talking with Mark, was uh, uh, expanding on the uh, upcoming thing tomorrow at the Supreme Court with the Bruton case. Is that his name? Brunson. Brunson. I, I never can't get his name. Brunson. Yeah, like Brunson, Br- uh, Brunson, like a Bunsen burner, a Brunson burner. Maybe I can memory peg that. Brunson. Well, with a, yeah, yeah. Bunsen burner with an R in there. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and if, so, I think everybody's what, aware of the background of that. We were just discussing the fact that tomorrow is a pretty big day in the respect for that case. And so what were you saying, Mark, about it? We can discuss it just a bit. Well, you know, in a, sure, in a typical appeal case to the uh, Supreme Court of the United States, there's a writ of certiorari that is basically requesting the court accept your appeal. And in the writ of sorcery, the the solicitor general representing the United States uh, declined to oppose their writ of sorcery. Now, a lot of people have mistakenly taken that as a victory. Well, it, it doesn't mean they won their case. All it means is they're not going to oppose their application or their writ of sorcery to be heard at the Supreme Court level. Yeah, and they didn't. The Supreme did, Court still has to make a decision whether they're going to accept the case or not. Didn't they? Didn't they miss the window to respond? There was something about switching solicitors. Whoever was from the government side uh, over this turned it over to another department, and they declined to respond within the time limit. So they've lost their ability to respond. They're barred because of time. I think that's not my. That's not my understanding. They actually signed a waiver. You had to. If you're going to waive it, you have to physically agree that you're waiving your right to respond. Okay. And and the government gets broad time frames when it comes to responding to things like of, this. Of course. So well, while, they'll, while they'll crucify us for missing a day, the government gets all kinds of loopholes to, to respond. If generally, so, if you've got now, those time windows where you're throwing, like it's like a tennis match where you're volleying back and forth on briefs right. and responses. Exactly. And if you, you've got a time limit, generally it's, I think they can alter it. Generally it's 20 days, Mark, isn't that it? 20 or 30, I forgot. I think it's 20. Uh, 30 for, for most appeals, it's 30 days. Now, as far as responding, I don't know what that is at yeah. the Supreme Court level. Right. Uh, I've never I've never been involved at a Supreme Court level. I've done, right. you know, regular state appeals. But 
but after after the, I mean, we're assuming that the justice, uh, the Supreme Court justices will accept their appeal and have it heard. And at that point, the Brunsons will be given a chance to file what's called a opening brief or a chief brief. And then the the uh, opposition will get a chance to file their opposing brief. And then the Brunsons will get a chance to reply to their brief. Right. And then once those three briefs are submitted, the Supreme Court clerks will go to work and they'll determine what the law and the facts are and they'll present that to the justices and then the justices will pour over it and put their own little nuances to it usually. Uh, but normally that's all done by their clerks that, that kind of flesh out all the law and the facts for the justices to apply their their legal knowledge to. Now, at that stage, so, now, with those briefs one, flying back and forth, is when people from the outside can add their two cents, and it's called an amicus curie brief, a friend of the court. And right. you'll probably see, a, right. I know they've been soliciting one-page amicus curie submissions on the Brunson uh, team. I've, it seems like I've seen it in an interview or so. But this is where anybody. Well, those are just can, letters of support, right? But the, you can those file are just letters of support, right? Well, you but but somebody say whoever the organization or person is can write up their view on this case and submit it to the Supreme Court, and that's called an amicus curie brief. So you're probably going to get some but of they those have to involved. Apply. They have to apply for that, Roger. Do they? So if I want to submit a brief, yes, they have to apply to the court to be a friend of the court, and they have to give reasons why they have an interest in the outcome of this decision. Okay. And if they're granted that right and they're determined to have an interest in the decision, then they are, you know, they've been authorized by the court to submit a amicus curie brief, which is commonly known as friend of the court brief. Now, you know, in the example I bring up, which – I don't know if it stunned me or not. I mean, it's pretty predictable in one way, but I was kind of surprised in another. Was this suit that came out of Utah with the American Samoans a couple of years ago? Okay, and at the the first article that I saw on it, the attorney that was handling the American Samoans case, and he was an American Samoan attorney, and um, he at the bottom of the article. He made a statement. He said, did you know there's two types of citizenship in this country? That's coming from the attorney. He's the one I tried to call him. I left a message. Wow. I never could get him to call me back. But when that case went up and I commented on the show, I said, they'll rule against it. Well, they they got a favorable ruling at the district court level in Salt Lake City. The, the district judge overturned the birthright citizenship, no birthright citizenship for American Samoans. Okay. And within 24 wow. hours, they had two amicus curie briefs filed. Guess who filed them, Mark? Um, guessing the Samoans, or no, probably not the Samoans, but probably uh, uh, the DOJ, probably the United States Department of Justice. And the and American Samoa, those are the two. Oh, the American Samoas didn't want to be a no, U.S. citizen. No, the huh? government, the control entity for American Samoans, didn't want this uh, case overturned. 
And when it went to the Tenth yeah, Circuit, right. which it did on appeal, it got overturned. Okay. And I told the audience, I said, this will never get past the appellate level and got quashed at the Tenth Circuit. Yeah. Now, there was a previous. Do you happen to have the case site on that? No, I don't. It's been a couple. I think it was last year when it went to the Tenth Circuit. We had a, a, a video of the arguments, though. It was pretty interesting because the Tenth Circuit audio tapes all their arguments, and it was in the middle of several other arguments in there. But it was interesting. I don't remember all that stuff, Mark. But uh, the previous case. The reason why I ask is go ahead, Roger. I was just going to say the previous case came from that article I talked about the other day. uh, Back, gosh, this must have been in about 2012. on the plebiscite it came out of the plebiscite a plebiscite is when there's a a master vote on whatever the country's going to do basically okay and you can go and Merkel went in and found it uh because she sent me a copy of it out of the la times um you can go put in a search engine put in parentheses american samoa and then put plebiscite it's spelled just like it sounds plebiscite in parentheses also and you'll come up with that article and that um, got a case that went through because it arose evidently, Mark, in American Samoa, which meant when they went to the appellate level, the appellate level they went was to the appellate level in D.C. Okay. And so, the, hello. And so that went on and went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court would not grant certiorari on the case. As I've been saying, see, no high court can hear this case on American Samoans because it blows the lid off the whole scam. Why don't they have birthright citizenship? Have they they been granted that citizenship? Birthright citizenship? Would they have lost? Their, no, but had they, would they have lost their rights to own property, like their natural yeah, rights? Well, yes, because it brings in the slave system. Right. They so wouldn't they be able to uh, reject that. Right. They wouldn't be able to own their land. They wouldn't be able to their fa. They call it a FA hyphen Samoan culture. They wouldn't have been able to maintain their fa Samoan culture if they bring in birthright citizenship. That's why they left them down there like this. So they can leave them there with natural rights, put non-citizen in front of national, and hide national behind it. And as we've seen, the federal government mixes and matches in certain things. When they want to fool you, they'll take non-citizen away. And then uh, in places they want to fool you, they'll add it in like the passport oath. Okay? So, Samoa, hi, good morning, all. Good good morning, morning. Roger. This is Carolyn. Oh, hey, Carolyn. Samoa has a de- They don't have a representative. Oh, yeah, they so do. They basically, they've got a rep, pardon? but the rep can't vote. Right. It's only it can only vote like during a primary, and during I think during primary presidential primary, I believe, and um, during the presidential uh, no, election. I'm believe. talking about during, in the like- in the House of Representatives. American Samoa has a representative. Where's that note? Where's the air brake coming from, please? Who, who's got the mic open with the air brake? I mean, please. 
Um, this stuff's complicated enough without all the uh, the distractions, okay? They have a House of Representatives member, it's my understanding, Caroline, but they can't vote on anything that goes on. They're simply an observer and a representative of American Samoa and Swain's Island, they, I'm sure. They have a delegate, okay? Okay. So, like, you know, when they have the electoral college, you have, you know, this many, this many, um, you know, electoral votes from this state, this many electoral votes. Well, they have right. an electoral vote. Okay. Well, I don't know about that. That would be electoral college, not the representative. But I, I, I don't know. I just, I read that they have a rep in Congress, but they can't vote. Just read that in an article somewhere. Anyway, they've got some exclusions down there because of this national status and their, their natural rights. And if they gave them birthright citizenship, it'd blow the lid off the whole thing because then they got no, nowhere to hide the national behind. Sneaky little bastards, aren't they? Get this, Caroline. Guess who's got authority over American Samoa and Swains Island inside the federal government? Which agency oversees American Samoa? And you'll see it in that article if you look it up, because the representative went down there to oversee the plebiscite. My guess would be the IRS. How about the Department of the Interior? Oh, my goodness, yes, I missed that, boy. Okay, yeah, there's, and here again, here again is your dialectics and the way these guys work. They put it under the authority of the Department of the Interior for some islands halfway around the world. You you immediately go to the Department of Interior to research American Samoa, wouldn't you? Yeah, what a tangled web we weep. Oh, these weep, guys, right? they're slick, and they always use this dialectic principle. It's in evidence right there. Even though it's not direct, the authority is under this interior department, and the object is halfway around the world. More dialectic, dialectic. Everything these guys do is based on that. See, this is why I had so much problem learning Spanish. I finally figured it out is because over the first few number of years of this, I didn't have the core of it. All I had was the periphery. And I saw that everything was backwards in the way they set everything up and the way they did things. And so what I did with myself was train my mind to always first look at the dialectic on an issue. In other words, I kind of trained my mind to think backwards. Okay, and so when I got to learn in Spanish, every there's a lot in Spanish is opposite from English. You know, the I's are pronounced like E's, the E's are pronounced like I's, the O's you don't pronounce, the H's are J's. It's not the red house; it's the house red. And so most Americans that are uh, having to learn Spanish have only have one hoop to jump across. But I had to go in and straighten out my thinking before I could approach the opposites in the languages. And it gave me fits. Okay? I, I went through nine Spanish teachers or courses. And the last one, who was probably the best, came into my lesson one day, and he throws the books down on the table. <laughs> this is a true story. He threw the books down on the table. And he goes, I won't be your Spanish teacher anymore because of the way your effing mind works. And walked out the door. <laughs> so at that point, I said, hell, I'll just learn it on my own. So that's what I've been doing ever since. But uh, it gave me a lot of fits on this backwards stuff. 
this dialectical stuff. So for whatever that's worth. Anyway, we got that coming up at the Supremes tomorrow. Uh, and uh, I wish I understood more of the processes. It seems like I heard him say they could have it in a private hearing and deal with it first, Mark, and then make it public. Now, I, I've listened to several things, and I don't remember if that's right, but I do remember that's what somebody said. Uh, and, of course, the big thing that we're yeah, going to find true. out is are they going to use it as a negotiating tool or are they going to go in there and be the one entity, the independent entity in the federal government that blows the whole thing out of the water, which they could do, evidently, with this? So we'll see. Uh, under under uh, under the um, uh, national emergency, yes, the, the, they can actually act. The court could act on its own completely. And that's what Brunson was pointing out in the um, interview that he had with Greg Hunter on usawatchdog.com, mm-hmm. um, Brunson was explaining how that the you know they were initially going in under an, a a um, national emergency because the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeal wasn't moving on their appeal; they were just letting it sit. So they approached the the U.S. Supreme Court under a national emergency. So now they're they're thinking that. The U.S. Supreme Court could possibly just move to its sponte on its own and and rule under national emergency powers and go ahead and, and just decide on their case as it is. Now, I, I feel very doubtful that that would happen, but you just never know. Well, the tensions and the political situations between it, it, you you have absolutely no idea how this is going to turn out, okay? But it looks like they could either move on the what is it three hundred eighty eight representatives that are named in that something like that. That's yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's like three hundred eighty three or three hundred eighty eight. That's, that's a lot of people. Folks. It's all it's all the Democrats, and then there's a few Republicans. In yeah, there. of course, like Romney, etc. But uh, if they move that way or if they're going to go back and negotiate and say, look, get this legislation with term limits and the controls are trying to put us out of there and we'll drop this. So we'll all wait and see how that works out. But it is really interesting. It's very unique. Uh, I don't think there's been a case like this in front of the court for 50 years or something, Mark. Have you heard that? The history of this sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been quite some time that anything like that has been considered. So it's only been one time. Okay, we got some feedback. Yeah, we're trying to fumble through this. Somebody got in and screwed with us. Somebody's got a video that got their video on. We have people that are listening. They have people listening on like speaker phones, or their computer has speakers, and they've got their microphone open. And so it just ends up, you know, echoing back, reverb back into the the audio. So yeah, it loops back in. But anyway, what I was going to point out, and this is really important, is from a from a um, research standpoint, is when you find a case such as this uh, Fitzmanu versus United States, which is that American Samoan right. case you were talking about, I believe. Yeah. Um, the decisions from the courts are really very narrow as far as you're not getting the full story and you're definitely not getting all the legal research. 
where all the good stuff is are in the briefs right. that are for and against that issue. So now that I have this case, and I don't know what the date is on it, but um, I, I want to go in and download their briefs for and against and see what kind of little nuggets that we can pull out of there that might be beneficial to our group. Well, if you want to go through all that, great. There's been two. Now, one of them was stopped at the Tenth Circuit, and the other was uh, certiorari was not granted in D.C. So one of them was about 10 years ago, and the other one was just recent, several years ago out of Salt Lake. And I just don't remember the style of the case, you know. It was some American Samoan's name. Right. And so they're unusual, you know. Well, the art. The article I found was from the Honolulu Civil Beat, and so it says John uh, Fitzmanu, a Utah resident and lead oh, plaintiff, okay. that's the latest said one, in a I press think. release that he was deeply disappointed by the court's decision. Yeah, I think that was he said, the latest. I was born one. on U.S. soil. Go, go ahead. You think that was it? No, yeah, I think that was the most recent one so that said, came out of Salt Lake. What's the date on that? What's the date on what you're reading? Is there a date? Uh, well, the date on what I'm reading is October 18, 2022. Okay, that's the recent one. That's but one I don't know one. when this case was decided. It was about then. It was just last year at the Tenth Circuit. Oh, okay. 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 But he was talking about um, how he was a uh, born on U.S. soil, has a U.S. passport, pay my taxes like everyone else. Right. But because of a discriminatory federal law, I'm not recognized as a U.S. citizen, he said, like other people born in American Samoa, because I'm a U.S. national and must go through a naturalization process in order to receive U.S. citizenship. Well, there you go. There's the plight of the American Samoa. he calls himself a U.S. national. Right. And they also talk about Plessy versus Ferguson in this oh, article. They? Okay. Yeah, they they mentioned it. That's the that is the most important case that I've never heard another single patriot researcher reference Plessy. And man, that's the crux of the whole thing. Okay. So uh, anyway, uh, a lot of American Samoa. We still get a lot of folks that are confused on that. And please just try and understand that uh, they're using it as a blocker. Basically, they're using it to hide the other status. And mm-hmm. I see so many, and not so many, but occasionally people, I'm a non-citizen national. No, you're not. You're not American Samoan. Back when Chris Cave was on here, he could not get his mind around that because he didn't want to be a citizen of the United States. He knew what it was, and he could not grasp that that was only American Samoans. I had to correct him a bunch of times on it. And uh, so it's hard for people. Right. They've done a very good job of blocking this. So uh, setting it up. Let, and, let me read their little short. Yeah. Let me ahead. read their short paragraph on that included Plessy versus Ferguson. Okay. It says the insular cases are a series of legal decisions regarding the U.S. territories that establish the U.S. Constitution okay. doesn't fully extend to the residents of the territories. The Fitzmanu case sought to overturn the rulings in part because they root, they're rooted in racism with justices referring to the alien races living in U.S. territories. The same court that wrote the Plessy v. Ferguson decision that enshrined the separate but equal doctrine justifying racial segregation is also behind 
the insular cases. Seeing what they're doing, they're looking at racial. It wasn't racial. It was political. This has nothing to do. You know, it's just that they used the blacks to secure that new citizenship, federal citizenship. It wasn't racial. It was the fact that they were slaves and they brought them on and made them federal slaves. But the key to understanding that, Mark, and as I've said, I've never saw, I've yet to see anybody address this. If you go back to that slaughterhouse cases and you go into that pertinent part there where it talks about the current situation, remember that was written in 1871. That was three years after the couple of years after the Civil War ended, three years after the 14th Amendment was passed. So this was like everybody's recent memory when that case was written. That's another reason it's so important. Okay. And it was just like we were saying, man, you remember when everybody went up there on January 6th to the Capitol? I mean, if we're talking colloquially here, it'd be like they're looking at these events at that time frame. Okay. And they start that whole series of paragraphs with Dred Scott. And they talk about the, according to the recent celebrated Dred Scott decision, that the Dred Scott could not become even though he was in a free state, okay, Illinois, he could not become a citizen of the United States with anything short of an amendment to the Constitution. And then it leads into a couple of paragraphs talking about, well, this was an object of much discussion in that time in D.C. because no one born and raised in federal D.C. or the territories were not only not citizens of the united states of america remember those were only state citizens because they weren't a state they were the federal enclave nobody that was born and raised in dc or the territories could be a citizen of the united states or a citizen without a new constitutional amendment now that did not wholly incorporate the black race you can't tell me that everybody born and raised in D.C. of the territories was black. So there's wiggle room in there. Even though they came and applied it to blacks with separate facilities, we're talking political. It wasn't a racial thing only on the surface. It was political underneath because they both had a political status, even though one was subservient to the other. But they couldn't have been all blacks. It's just impossibility that everybody born and raised in D.C. and the territories was black up to that point. It's an impossibility. So there's wiggle room there. Very good see? points. Very good points. Well, I've never heard yeah. anybody comment on that. Yeah. See, nobody's gotten into this. Well, they're all the so fixated. Go ahead. They're fix- yeah, they're just fixated on racism. Of course, they bring yeah, out the racism. They're just fixated racism. on racism, and they see the they see the word alien race for the Samoans or anybody else, and they're automatically saying, "Well, it's racism. It has nothing to do with race. And nothing to do with it." Okay, it's all political, and it's all on these differential and statuses. And the fact that one group gets their rights from God, and the other group gets their rights from DC. There you go. Okay. And I would go back and look at it this way. This is the way John explained it years ago. That's really helpful, and I can't scheme it up for you, but it's pretty simple to describe. So in your mind, draw two vertical lines, okay? And the first line is the original line. And so originally at the top of the line you put God, 
So you got God-given rights, and you were a state citizen first under God, remember, and then if you were a state citizen, you were a citizen of the nation or a national, a citizen of the United States of America. So it was God, state, country. Got it? Now, let's draw the new line. Now we don't get God. We replace God with the federal government. And the federal government gives you civil rights, and you're a citizen of the United States first. And second, you're a state citizen only if you reside. See, they flipped them. They flipped God to the federal government, and they flipped state citizen first, citizen of the nation second, and flipped those two. Now you're a citizen of the federal government first and a citizen of the state second, but only if you reside. They just flipped them. Yeah, it's amazing. And civil rights are just so flaky because they – they do whatever they want to do. Right. You know, it's, a, it's all administrative. Well, and suppose, you're, you're not protected by the Constitution any longer. That's right, because now you get your rights from the federal government, civil rights, and underneath that's the feudal system, and they've got a property right on you. So even though they write up all these regulations and stuff on what they can and can't do, because you're a piece of property, they can they can fudge on that. Now, yeah. Caroline? I think we talked. You're on with us today, right? You, you said something earlier. Um, uh, there, I am. Okay. I want you to realize this, and we may have talked about it the other day, but we've thrown a lot of stuff at you in a short period of time. Okay. So under the great heading of rights, there's two subheadings. One is your civil rights, and those are, as Mark was talking about, those are the rights that you enjoy between other people in the society. Okay. Right. And the other side are political rights. That's your right to run for office, to vote, etc. You don't get political rights under the 14th Amendment. You only get civil rights. That's right. why the whole political game is a fraud up there that's going on right now. Okay? Because they have to give you permission to participate because you don't get the political rights under the 14th Amendment. That's why they call voting a franchise. They've got to give you the political rights because you don't get them under the 14th Amendment so that they can pull off their little political theater up there. They're quite unhappy with me right now. Are they? That's what I'm... (laughs) Well, that's good. Well, well, you know, I'm being flooded with phone calls, emails, chats, and things like that from people in my district and even people around the world and throughout the United States freaking out about this speakership. And what I'm saying to them is you have to have the courage to leave. That's all. Because now I'm, I'm in a bad spot, Roger. I'm in a bad spot. Okay, because I want to. I understand that there's not a political solution, and people are panicking. So I can't be like throwing stuff at them that they don't understand. And then, frankly, I don't completely understand. So that's that's what's going on right now. And listen, I've got a couple of pretty good, um, well-known journalists that know who I am. They know who I am, and they will not 
they will not um, release some of the uh, facts that I have. And they are intent. You know, I just called one of them out today. I got hung up on. Oh, my God. One hung up on me the other day. It was a, a talk show host, and he's pretty famous. And as soon as I went into the truth, um, they cut me off. They segued me out. And I flipped out. I got on to another uh, kind of closed network that I have. It's not closed. It's just a play, paid platform. And I outed them. And then, can you believe this? The host reached out to me immediately. I said, oh, thank you for calling in, this and this and this. And I just didn't even reply because all it is is a bunch of bullshit. It's a bunch of lies and bullshit. These people want to run around and say that they're exposing the truth, even some of the best journalists. They want to say they're exposing the truth. And today I said, look, either you're exposing the truth or you're not. Period. End of story. Pretty much where you get to that point. And it's sad. And it may be some of it intentional. It may just be that some people are so closed minded and conditioned that just like it says in the Old Testament, because they have not a love of the truth, I will send them strong oh. delusion. They'll believe a lie. And there's a bunch of those too. They just can't see it. I mean, I've been putting this in front of people for 30 years, Caroline. And I've seen and gauged the reaction over all that time. And even after we get it to where it's understandable and conveyable, people can't see it. It amazes me. I have, it's on paper. The American citizens are freaking out yeah. and, and it's on paper and see it. And they are deliberately, for whatever reason, I don't know if they're being threatened. I don't know if they're not allowed to. One person told me that um, uh, they questioned the the media personality, and the media personality said, "If I do that, I'm done. I'll never get on again." Uh, it's just so like Adam, no- you know, our buddy Adam, one of our new students down there in Etowah County, Alabama, and his childhood friend is the county DA. And now Adam got in some trouble when he was younger, and he went off in the Marines, and he's come back, but he still grew up with this guy. And he approaches him with this guy, and the guy, the DA, says, I can't talk about that. The county DA. I can't talk about law. Sorry. I'm only the church attorney. It's inconceivable that the, 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 the conspiracy, the, 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 and I don't mean conspiracy theory. I mean the real conspiracy. Oh, it's yeah. inconceivable how of all we have right now about twenty people that are elected that are willing to stand up for all of the people in the United States, and that's it. Yep, yep, that's right. It's and thank God for Matt Gates. I mean, you know, I'm proud to say he's from close to my district. He's next door there in Florida Panhandle, but he's an exemplary representative. Who was trying to say something right there? It was a male. Hey. Uh, trying to get in here and say something. Yeah, well, it's hard. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, it was just uh, a little, uh, there was uh, another part. I got on here late because I was on a meeting. I got run over a little bit. Um, I sent Mark some information yesterday. I don't know if that's what you guys are talking about. But there's a video on that third, the second, third video down on that same article where the girl really goes into a really good explanation. Um they're saying that the military would come in and do some things. I don't think that's going to happen. And there are other people that, like uh, Barnes 
talking about it's going to be basically a nothing burger. So you're, you're, what do you mean to tomorrow? Gonna, you're talking about okay. tomorrow, January the sixth, the Supreme. Yeah, let's not mix metaphors here. So anyway, that's we're talking about the Brunson case. Who knows? You know, and it was Barnes that I heard say either they're going to take it and do something or they're going to use it as a negotiating tool. OK, so we'll see tomorrow as that unfolds. Anyway, back to Caroline and what you were saying about uh, your activities and because you've got a pretty high profile and you're in touch with a lot of people and for you to be, uh, that's why I'm trying to get you uh, uh, educated up as quick as we can and Caroline to get you really proficient with this, you know, it just takes a little time. I understand that it takes a little time. Okay. This is complex stuff. You're having to go in and turn your whole world that you've known your entire life upside down. And I understand that. Okay. I, I, I would appreciate to have the connection with Brent because I am, like you said, you're absolutely a hundred percent right. And I am, I am kind of like in a hot seat here and I'm, I'm uncomfortable. And that's okay because being uncomfortable means that I'm changing and that I'm learning something and that's, I'm fine with that part. But I'm, you know, I'm kind of in a hot seat here and, um, I need somebody else who well, either ran or something, you know. Right. And as far as the military goes, I do know a bunch of military people and intel people and it's not like I'm not one of those flaky people with the, you know, all these, uh, trust the plan and all that stuff. These are exactly the people that got us in the jackpot that we're in right now. It's a bunch of shit. It is. I'm calling them out on it, too, it where is. I can. Well, we'll have Brent on tomorrow, and I wouldn't be opposed to having that conversation on the air, quite frankly. You probably have a better chance of getting his attention here than you would catching him and getting him to slow down and talk to you one-on-one, okay? Because Brent's busy. He's Absolutely. always traveling, all right? Always. So, uh, uh, anyway, maybe tomorrow will be our opportunity. I've been wanting to do that, Caroline, because he's got some insights for you, okay? I mean, they put Brent Winters through hell, folks, simply because of who he is and his power. And they didn't want they didn't want him in there, and they didn't want him running again, okay? They don't want anybody. This was one of probably the most absurd things that really just kept me driven, I'm not Brent I'm yeah. just an American woman. Right. right. I, you know, with laws and warts and all. Right. They don't want anyone no. questioning them. No, they, they don't want anybody. So well, now, what does that tell you? Does that maybe give you an indication on how tenuous their hold is on all this? That they're scared of one person, that their ADL goes out to when you get together in local patriot groups and and, and photograph people's license tag numbers so they can know who's in there? Is that a sign of weakness or is that a sign of strength? It's a sign of weakness. Okay, hold on. There's somebody. Okay, somebody's somebody's wanting to say something. You got your mic open. Come forward. 99% 99% wrong. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Hey, hey, Bruce, how you doing, man? I'm doing just great. Just learning how to operate this uh, call. Um, first thing she needs to do is go ahead and get her national status. That's her power. And that's how she's going to have to lead her flock into being a national. That's the power she will have with the 
with her delegates. Well, that could be, but it's, you know, this is an individual decision. I, I've never told anybody to do this. All I do is put out the facts in front of you and tell you here's an option because this is your freedom. I, I, it's not my place to tell you to file an affidavit. Okay, it is my place to try and show you what's going on and educate you so you can make an educated decision. That's my place. I can take some power now by what I heard you say, either it was yesterday or the day before. I'm a national because I say I am. Correct. Right now, national. Correct. You just hadn't filed, you hadn't formalized it yet. Okay. You've you've gone through college, you've got all the knowledge, but you haven't gotten your diploma yet. I think I'll be in the dirt when I get my diploma, and that's okay with me. <laughs> well, let's hope not. Um, no, because you're a great addition to what you know with your situation, your personality, your experience. You're in a great position to wield this information. Okay, much more so than most of us. So that's fantastic. Glad to have you aboard. And Brent will be here tomorrow. I haven't heard anything different. He, very few times over all these years have we ever missed a Friday program. Okay. So uh, I'm assuming that'll be here tomorrow. I'd love to get him and you discussing that and him giving you some insights he's learned. Uh, and and uh, the audience, of course, can share in that. Okay. I, looked, I was really excited. I missed the two Fridays because I was busy, but I listened to them online and, you know, that helps me with my spirituality because like I said earlier, you know, I'm kind of suffering. I'm kind of like, um, you know, I'm uncomfortable and that's okay. Like Mm -hmm. I I recognize the uncomfortability because I'm Mm -hmm. changing directions. I'm leaving something behind and I I have to let go of it. The good, what did I do? I did something. I made an action that makes it so it's more tangible. I left like a couple of groups that were political groups, and I just left them. I didn't make an announcement. I just left them. All right. So, well, you know. your your statement, it, you said you just said something that really tweaked me, and you said you're uncomfortable, and it really reminds me. And I I, I pray Nastasha's on with us today because she's got that quote. Have you ever heard the quote? It's in my book. You've, you're reading the book, right? Uh, the H.L. Mencken quote. Do you know who he was, Caroline? H.L. Mencken? Um, I, you're kind of breaking up, uh, okay. and well, I don't think I know what you're talking about. And, uh, yes, I'm trying to read your book in between all the other okay. things Yeah, everything else, right. H.L. Mencken, M-E-N-C-H-E-N is how he's spelled, was a reporter for the Baltimore Sun back in the 20s. And, okay, boy... Oh, man, that guy is fantastic. And one of his quotes that just always hit me, it's in the book, is he's talking about people like us that want to be free and how we're always a bit uncomfortable and that how we're always considered outlaws in democratic societies. Yeah, that's a butcher of the quote. He is so eloquent and pithy. uh, And I just don't have the quote committed to memory. But when you just said that you're a bit uncomfortable, it triggered that connection for me on that H.L. Mencken quote. Uh, Nastasha got so enamored with it, she recorded it one night and sent it, sent a copy to me, and we had her play it over here the other day when she was with us. But uh, anyway, that one, as you run across it, it should be in the book somewhere, and I just don't remember where. But H.L. Mencken was a whoo, 
boy, he was a top of the notch editorialist. Guy had had all the pithiness and and the viciousness of tongue and words and vocabulary. He's quite the writer. H. L. Mencken is his name. I think Princess called on here one day and said that her dad was a huge H. L. Mencken fan and had all of the all of his books and everything. And uh, yeah, quite a quite a writer back a hundred years ago. Just go put H. L. Mencken in a and read some of his stuff. He'll 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 flatten you, man. The guy was fantastic. Just like another one that we had recently that was fairly similar, and, and he was more of a writer. His name was Joseph Sobran, a Catholic guy. Are y'all familiar with Joseph Sobran? Anybody? He used to write for the National Review or something until he got wise to the Zionist thing, and then he went off on his own because they literally banished him from the reservation. But uh, Sobran was the fa- was the guy that came up with the famous quote, anti-Semitism is not someone who hates Jews. Anti-Semitism is someone who Jews hate. They have so well... Wow. They've so weaponized it. Okay, I love what Chappelle said when he did his uh, Saturday Night Live, which I don't watch, but I did watch the the rerun of the opening. And he said, there's two words that I learned to never put together. (laughs) Right, right. The... <laughs> that's right. That was that's pretty. And he had he had rehearsed the bit, and then he came out live and did his own bit. So that's how that snuck through. But I thought that was funny too. Uh, two words I've learned to never put together: the Jews. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, like, hey, Roger. I got. Con- he goes on to talk about how he could understand how somebody might put those things together, considering. Hollywood, you know, right. run by who? <laughs> and uh, well, they're catching a lot of heat lately. Kanye turning on them, and all these people getting all this national publicity. They got no other recourse but to go back and do what they do, which proves their point. You know, it's ridiculous. Mark, you well, had something to add there? there yeah, we- I have Mencken's quote. Okay, can, can you read it? You, can you read, read it? Because it, this is so sure. dead on right here, folks. Dead on. This this is H.L. Mencken from the Baltimore Evening Sun, February 12, 1923. The fact is that average man's love of liberty is nine-tenths imaginary, exactly like his love of sense, justice, and truth. He is not actually happy when free, He is uncomfortable, a bit alarmed, and intolerably lonely. Liberty is not a thing for the great masses of men. It is the exclusive possession of a small and disruptible minority like knowledge, courage, and honor. It takes a special sort of man to understand and enjoy liberty, and he is usually an outlaw in democratic society. Boy, does that nail it? Does that nail it right there? It does. Yeah, totally. I'll tell you another one that's in the book, a 2,000-year-old one, Caroline, you may have seen. Confucius, when words lose their meaning, men lose their liberty. 
and they have done their awful best to change the uh change what words mean well yeah that's oh, the yeah. other one that's like, their know, big deal just like just like men can be women yeah that's like my line that i say every time when i go through the grocery store i say it out loud out of nowhere Men can't be women, people. <laughs> okay. I Here, do. I, let me give you another. I say it every, I'm going to give you a wrinkle. Yeah, you can say it out loud as much as you want. Let me give you another wrinkle here because you probably haven't been exposed to this yet, Caroline. Does the word, does the name sabotage V mean anything to you? Say it again. It's got to have to do with saboteur. Sabatai, S-A-B-B-A-T-I, I think is the way it's spelled. Zv, Z-V-I. Sabatai Zv, or Zevi, however, I'm not sure how he pronounced it. Does that ring a bell with you at all? No, it sure, surely doesn't. Okay, well, this Please is a, there's, here's, an, here's a, a, a lot of origin of what I think we're dealing with with this dialectic stuff. Okay, in 1666, there was a Jew named Sabbatai Zvi. I believe he was in England. He was relying on another previous rabbi's reinterpretation of the Kabbalah about a hundred years earlier. Okay, and so when he was reevaluating it, he came and found in the I think in the Torah, the five first books of the Bible. It says the Messiah will return when the world is either all good or all bad. And he said to himself, I guess, well, the world's never going to be all good, so let's make it all bad. And maybe the Messiah will return. And that was the reversal in this dialectical idea that got wholesaled into their community. And the um, what he did was basically reverse the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill became thou shalt kill. Thou shalt not lie became thou shalt lie. This is about the time, and I'm not sure the exact date, but probably due to his influence, that they changed the Kol Nidre Oath. Do you know about the Kol Nidre Oath? I do not. Okay. Well, we're just going to educate you a bunch on Jewish stuff here today. Okay. Two holy high days of the year the ones do you know that jews actually contract with the rabbi for what seats they're going to get they contract with the rabbi say again so for what seats they're going to get for these two high holy days everybody that's in a a synagogue my understanding, and a case came out of Miami on this that went to the 11th Circuit, Mark, is how I know this, okay, and confirmed it. In, I, I, I'm sure it's Reformed synagogues, maybe in both, don't know. But in they go in and contract with the rabbi on an annual basis on how much they're going to pay the rabbi, and the rabbi assigns them seats. And it's mainly for these two high holy days, Yom Kippur and uh, what's the other one? It's Day of Atonement. Yom Kippur and I can't think of the, the official name of it. It's called the Day of Atonement. Okay, And those are the two days in the fall that the high holy days whole year revolves around those two. You remember back in the Bible when Jesus said, you always want the finest seats in the synagogue? This is what he's talking about. See, evidently they were doing this back then too. 
Okay, so they contract with the rabbi, and depending on how much they pay the rabbi or the terms of the contract determines what seats they get for these two, primarily these two high holy days. Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, those are what they call them. Okay, one of them is the Jewish New Year. The other one is this Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement is when they all gather at the synagogue and they say the Kol Nidre Oath. Now, that's spelled K-O-L, one word, N-I-D-R-E, Kol Nidre. And before Sabbatize V, they would go into the Day of Atonement and say an oath that forgives them for all their lies and thefts and everything from the previous year. And after Sabbatize V, they switched it to the upcoming year. So they switched it from historical to future. So they go in there, they pay the rabbi to get the best seats. Who gets the best seats then? Probably the guys that have lied, cheat, and stolen the most, right? Okay. So they sit at the front of the temple while all the other people are saying this oath that we can lie, cheat, and steal in the next year, and maybe we can get those good seats next year. This is the way this is set up. Okay, this way is this set up. All right. So Sabbatize V started this sect called Sabbateanism. You can find it. There used to be some real good videos on, on YouTube, but they've yanked them, unfortunately. Uh, one of our really good alt archaeologist that has a channel on there named Robert Seffer. We haven't brought up his name in a while. But he wrote a book on this called 1666, colon, Redemption Through Sin. So you can acquire that book, and he used to have a whole bunch of videos on there about it. And also a Jew talking to other Jews about this. They didn't know it either. Okay, guy's name was Barry Chomish. I think he's dead now. Okay. So anyway, what Sabotage V's movement did was it encapsulated about half of the, maybe a little less, of the worldwide Jewish community. A lot of them didn't want to have anything to do with it because they had things like the Night of the Lights when they would uh, wife swap that, that night. And so a lot of the Jews just didn't want to have anything to do with it. But what they did was flipped everything backwards. Thou shalt not kill became thou shalt kill. So I think this may be the origin, I'm, I'm speculating, may be the origin of this dialectic infusion into their program. Okay, So Sabotage V went on uh, the rest of his life, and they achieved some penetration in the Jewish community worldwide on this, but not anywhere near like what they got today. And so when he died... Another Jew took over his mantle, and the guy's name was Frank, I want to say. Dead gummit. Funny how the mind tricks you. Anyway, uh, I'll think of his name in a second. It'll come to me. He he took over, and this guy, Barry Chomish, that was the Canadian Jew that was telling this story to a, a meeting of other Jews, made a statement in that, and he said he was the worst Jew that's ever lived this guy that took over from Sabotage V. And he wasn't centered in London. He was centered in Constantinople. And he got a whole bunch. 
uh, he got a whole bunch more of the worldwide Jewish community into this until the head of Constantinople, who was Islamic, said, you're either going to convert or I'm going to cut your head off. And so he, even though he continued to be a converso in the background, he publicly converted to Islam. He lost about half of his following. Okay. And when he retired and left Constantinople, he moved up outside of Frankfurt, Germany, and was involved in the founding of the Illuminati. Oh. Okay, so this is some of this deep Jewish background. I'd never heard about this until about 20 years ago, and Rents had, had Barry Chamish on several times. And you can go to Rents' website and put in Sabbateanism or Barry Chamish, C-H-A-M-I-S-H, and those old articles will pop up there. But this is the whole deep background on this, and it's my theory that that's what they did. Theodore Herzl didn't wasn't interested in zionism the way it is set up today he was interested because i've seen his personal diary and the excerpts from it he was interested in converting the entire jewish community to catholicism in mass that's what he says in his uh, diary he said maybe we can have the pope even show up at the big cathedral in vienna the big catholic church in vienna and we could have it be like a parade with bands and balloons and people in the entire jewish co- community would convert to catholicism at one time he wasn't interested in this zionism thing and it's my belief that herschel was a relatively young man and he was uh, put into a sanitarium outside of Paris and never lived to get out. I think they killed him, and then they ran in um, uh, Heim Weitzman, one of the uh, Rothschild's hand-picked uh, pit bulls, and Heim Weitzman took over Zionism. And I believe they infused all this Sabbateanism into Zionism, and that's what we're dealing with today. These are my feelings just from a lot of study and thinking about this and trying to connect some dots. So there's some background. One of my, one of my um, closest, uh, I call them team members, I guess you call them team members, um, and I don't have a whole bunch that I keep close to me at all, uh, knows all things Zionist, Jew-it, Judaism. He knows all of it, all of it, and they have that, you know, and he's 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 a pretty well-known guy, and they have absolutely in the past um, threatened him, uh, but he does know all about all you're telling me. I'm sure of it. Well, ask sure him, ask him if he knows about sabotage V. I mean, when Barry Chalmish was given this talk. That you, it might still be on the web somewhere. It was some obscure, obscure website, and they they even scrapped it. Okay, but in that hour long meeting of this whole explanation of sabotage V and all this kind of stuff, even the Jews in the audience didn't know this. Okay, this is real deeply hidden stuff. So you ask him if he yeah, knows my, about sabotage V. My associate, now I'm sure, and as soon as I bring that up, but. Um, even when we, he's been, um, he's been, what do they call that when they, they castigate, they could basically castigate. He's an outcast. You right. Know? Is he Jewish? Um, is he Jewish? Is he Jewish? 
No, uh-uh. Okay. Um, he's, yeah, he's a, you know, I don't want to blow his cover who right. he is. Right, um, that's okay. But he knows all these things. So, like, uh, people think that he's helping me, um, but they can't put it together completely because I won't let myself be um, too closely uh Oh, it's it's hard to describe. It's hard to describe um, what it is because some things um, uh, you can't. Um, com- they want these people. What they do is they stop you from telling the truth. That's oh, what yeah. they do. They don't. That that's what they do. They stop you. So in order for me to continue to be a truth teller and walk in that. Um, <coughs> I just have to outsmart. We have well, to outsmart them. Well, okay? see, this is where, this is where what we do comes into play, because you start being a national, and you know how they demonize everybody, I mean, Alex Jones, yeah. all these people, right? Well, they won't demonize me. They won't touch me with a ten foot pole. I call, uh, come on here and call them dirty kikes and tell them how much I hate them. Okay, they won't touch me with a ten foot pole. Why? Because I've got the ultimate answer to their scam. So you want to insulate yourself from those people? Learn this and start teaching and talking about it. They won't touch you. This is, I call this, I call this super kryptonite for super ferrocyte. Because it shuts Um, them right up, okay? But. Again, I wish I could get to Alex. Say, you want them off your back? Listen to me and start teaching this stuff. They won't touch you with a 10-foot pole. You know, this um, goes back. I mentioned it the other day The the from from Gandhi, okay? First they, de- first they ignore you. Then they demonize you. Then they fight you. And then you win. So let's look at that from light of what we do. We've already beaten them before. They have to stay silent. They can't demonize it because it brings more people to the message. They can't fight us because we've already won. That's the power of what we're doing here, folks. If you're new and you hadn't, and I understand that you can't uptake this immediately, but folks, I'm telling you, you've got Excalibur in your hands here. That's what this information does to these people. It makes them stand mute. You know, Andrew, Andy Hitchcock calls them the people that always have an answer for everything. I've heard him refer to them like that, okay? They don't have an answer for this. They got no answer. They stand mute. What does that tell you? Um, people, people are in a state right now of um, panic. Uh, because they they you know because they see it now that now they see it okay they see it they, you can see it on television you can see it it's out in the open there's only 20 people that are in congress that are willing to stand up for the american people people right. are freaking out right they're freaking out the best thing that i can tell them right now because i don't know this platform i don't know your thing enough to like the last thing i want to do is teach something that i don't know no no well yeah caroline but let me let me instruct you i'm gonna stop you right there you want to learn this stuff start teaching it that's how you're really gonna learn it fast because you quickly realize what you don't know and where the holes are you go back and correct those and then you go tell somebody else they're so stressed out that this is what i'm 
you know, with prayer, with, you know, with continuing to do the work and understanding that there's no, I, I just keep repeating it to myself. There's no political solution. There's no political solution. Right now I'm able to say to them, have the courage. These are men I'm talking to, you know, yep. have the courage to leave, have the courage was- to leave your abuser, have the courage to leave the party. And, and, and then, you know, so at least it's some food for right now, but mostly I'm letting them do the talking, and then my answers are very short. Have the courage to leave. We must. I I use those that kind of language. We must have the courage to leave. Yep. Now, and then in, I can see them. In that may be the answer to there is no political solution. Because if enough of us leave, we can co-found a parallel political system based on the Constitution and us getting having God-given rights now instead of participating in their little political charade at the federal level. See, there is, but we got to do a bunch of work first and get organized before we can implement it. Understanding that these folks, their minds are so messed up that they can't hear that. The minute that I say to the, like, just, just my, my smartest friends, you know, that they're really, you know, know what's happening. You know, I can, I, I'm starting to say that there's no political solution. I just talked to my really super, super brilliant friend that I have to stop because he's way smarter than me. Um, I told him today, this morning, I said, there's no political solution. We need to do this, which is the national thing. And, he, you know, this, and this is the third time I've said it to him. But today he said to me, okay, so I got one. Right. Well, it's this is a one at a time battle, folks. I used to be on here. You heard Daryl come on the other day and say, wow, he used to only be four or five of us on here. Because within the relatively near distant past, that's the way it was. Now we got a hundred or more. We got people requesting information and we're starting to grow. And that's because of your efforts, folks. You're posting this stuff places. You're talking to people about it. You're learning it yourself. And that's why we're growing. Okay. I mean, you heard three new people on here yesterday. Shauna, Paul, and Victor were on here yesterday. All three new. Boy, that that just didn't used to happen in the old days. It was like t- pulling teeth to get people to even recognize this where they wanted to learn more. There was only a few special, special people that were touched by the information. But we've grown, okay, and we're growing. And it's really refreshing to the fact that they're having to throw out those ridiculous letters to people from this consular division of the State Department or whatever. See that that and, and look at that. Look at that piece of crap that they sent out to address this affidavit. And look, that's the best defense they've got. That's the best defense they've got? Yes, it is. All they can do is come back and try and overlay the confusion they've laid down and hope it'll fool you again. But once you know this information, you can't be fooled, can you? No. That's why I preach, learn the information, get command of the information. You don't have to know it to the extent that I do, but you have to know about the overall concept, what the major pieces are, how they operate and interact together, and the what they achieve. And you can do that pretty simply, really. 
See, people want to concentrate on the minutia. Don't concentrate on the minutia until you've got your arms around the concepts. When you've got your arms around the concepts and how the system is set up and works, then you can dig into the minutia and find stuff. But you'll never do it in reverse. You'll never get through the obstacles they've built here of the changing of the words and the confusing stuff and all the other little tactics that they've used to find the answer. That's why our community's been so damn unsuccessful over all these years. They didn't know what the concept was. Hey, Roger. Yes. I'd like to add on to, like you said, the community being so unsuccessful all these years. So last night, I just got started digging into the anti-government handbook that you have up on the Matrix docs. Right, right. Boy, what a harrowing read. Well, tell us your observations. So... Well, I've, so that book, you know, at first I figured, oh, you know, this is something that, uh, you know, some patriot put together to, uh, that'd be helpful for anyone who has to deal with the courts. No, it is a guidebook written by, as far as, you know, by the, by the government in order to guide their clerks, police officers, and judges in dealing with the patriot community. Yep. And it has everything in there from the perspective of what the courts have had to deal with over the years. And uh, some of the stuff that, uh, the, the patriot community, I, I'm very new to all this. I, I had no idea all this was happening. Um, and, uh, I, and I see now why when uh, I bring this up, people are very resistant and immediately assume it's it's sovereign citizen crap because there's a lot of dumb shit <laughs> that was that's been done over the years. Unbelievable! Like, the tactic that was that was used by the patriot communities, they somehow got in their heads that oh, if we don't like someone, we'll just put a shit ton of liens on their property. Right. And there was one judge who had something like twenty eight liens on his property, totaling over. A couple million dollars. It's like, what the heck? Oh my goodness! But yeah, just uh, um, getting a sense of uh, you know where this originally started, and just how in the dark people were. You know, they're were, they're were fighting for their freedom, of course. But like you said, Roger, you know, get the concepts down first. Otherwise, you're just making yourself look like a fool. You're running around chasing your tail, which is what they want you to do. Roger, I have a question for you. Okay, Can you good. hear me? Yes, I hear you fine. Who is this? Uh, hi, this, this is Charlene again from West Texas. Oh, oh hey, Charlene. I, I, hi. Okay, um, okay, so I'm a little bit confused. I'm sorry that the, I've got a question, but you, okay, we want to be a capital N national, not a lowercase well, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think right. they. I don't know. I've never made that differentiation. You might could say that. Uh, I think they just okay. use it like in the in the uh, certificate of non citizen nationality from the State Department's own website, and it says all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals, and I don't believe it's capitalized there. Okay. Yeah. Because at one point I can't find it anymore, but a year ago or a year and a half ago, I think it was before COVID, but you could Google the difference, and there was actually a separate entry for each thing. It wouldn't be and a so bad I idea. To do my, my paperwork. My it wouldn't be a bad idea to capitalize it. I think it's probably appropriate. Quite frankly, capital C yeah. citizen was capitalized in the founding documents, and there was only state citizens. And the Fourteenth Amendment is always small c, always. 
Okay, got it. Okay, okay so then, okay, now I'm going to bold that, and then I have one more question. Okay, so when we um, when we uh, get our national status, and uh, okay, so I'm close to retirement age in a year. Does it? Does it? Will it? Will we be totally separate? Like we can't get our social security no, no, benefits? No, 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 because both of the statuses are equal. All U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals. They've just hidden the U.S. nationals. They can't come in and bar you from that because then they're discriminating against you, aren't they? Oh, okay, got it. Because okay. I have several people that are going, oh, we're not going to do this because we're right. going to lose our benefits. Right. Well, they're, no, like, all right, well, let, 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 let me expand on that. Let's expand on that because we just recently learned the difference in those things. In that term, that one word, benefits. Okay, if you've signed up, first of all, if you go to the Social Security website today, it'll ask you, are you a citizen of the United States or a national? And then underneath that, it's under national, there's a pull-down carrot, and it says, of which country? So anybody in the world can contract with Social Security. There's no nexus here. Okay, so that's the first thing. Secondly, we learned, because somebody went on the website and did some in-depth uh, research, that if you've ever had a Social Security account, whether you're drawing off of it now in retirement or whether you're still paying into it, anything you receive from Social Security is not considered a benefit. It's only for these illegal aliens and all these people that they're starting to give this stuff to. Those are benefits because they were never enrolled in the program. Oh, I get it. Another, okay. More of this, okay. more of this mincing. See, you got to go in and mince all these words to really understand how they're being applied. Okay. Hey, so all right, hold on. We'll get you in a second. Let's finish with Charlene here. Go ahead. So in the country, when you pull down the screen, like under national, I'm a national wall. I'm going to be one because they have well, my status mixed up, obviously. Well, you're already okay. one technically. Country. You're already one technically because you've made that decision in your mind. You haven't formalized right. it yet. Right. Okay. So in the country, do we put? Do I put Texas, or do they want the country like you know? United are you, States or are you, talk, are you or, talking about the example I just gave you off the Social Security website? Yes, when you well, pull down the national well, country. Well, well, I'm a Texan. Well, right. But that doesn't matter. You're a citizen of the United States or a national. These other people are citizens of other countries in the world. They're nationals of other oh, countries okay. in the world. So my point is the Social Security number is not a nexus because anybody in the world can participate, and they don't sick the 600 administrative agencies on you. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Thank you so okay. much. Okay. You're welcome. Now, who was trying okay. to add something there? Was that Bob? Yes, if it's Bob. I can got your um, voice. Yeah. In the code on section in 8 U.S.C. 1101, national is not capitalized in either right. the, the context of a national citizen of a state or the national of the United States. 
in neither case is it capitalized. Right. And Just and I was FYI. thinking about this the other day, okay? American Samoans are U.S. nationals. They're non-citizen nationals if they want to be specific. But they're nationals, right? Well, they're U.S. Uh-huh. nationals because American Samoa is a territory. But we, when we move over as state citizens... We can be U.S. nationals, too, because even though that separates us from the federal government, even though it designates us as U.S., it's a very interesting little line when you think about it, okay? Hey, Roger. I noticed something something interesting the other night. Mirka and I were talking. Um, She was trying to get some things straight in her mind, and, you know, as you've said many times, Best way to learn is to teach it. Yep. And in looking at the travel.state.gov, when they go into their little, um, well, I'm trying to find it here, but don't worry. Okay. Section 101A22. (laughs) And they have section 101A21. Well, guess what? If you just take off 8 USC and the first letter of the 11, the one, the first digit of the 11, that's what's left. And I just find that really strange. It's like they just cut off the first half of 8 U.S.C. 1101A, 21 and 22, and moved it over as 101A, 21 and 22. That's just, They're, there's no way that's coincidental. No, and I'm no, not no. saying anything nefarious about it. I just can't understand, I don't understand how they do their moving, how they name their, you know, codes well, and we, we whatever, can't, but we, it's pretty obvious that that happened. Right. We can't, we can't <laughs> understand it because we don't think like these creeps. We don't approach everything with how are we going to trick them, how are we going to deceive them, how can we hide this? And that's the way they think, see. Well, I got I an example. All right, hold on. I have an ongoing conversation with my brother, although we haven't had this conversation for years because it's fruitless but he just can't imagine because he doesn't think that way as you just said he just cannot imagine that anybody has had the time the effort the wherewithal the mentality the purpose i'll say to put something together to do this i said well i'm confident you're wrong (laughs) but i can't convince you so we'll just Agree to disagree. You got, you got to go back and, to Sun Tzu. And, you got to know your enemy. If you don't know your enemy, you've only got fifty percent of bat- winning any battle. If you don't know your enemy and you don't know yourself, you got no chance of winning any battle. And that's exactly the condition they've got us in. Yeah, and he is so typical of John Q. Public. Yep. So everybody's got the best interest of everybody else at heart, right? Yep. And see, I'm going to get to the guy that was trying to put something in here, but I wanted to say this. See, keep people keep saying you can't get that many people to do this. We don't need that many people to do it. All we need is the small number of the right people to do it. If we get the productive, God-loving, God-fearing people in our in our society to do this and pull themselves out of the tax system, they're done. Well, a shining example of that in the converse is how many did it take to get this yoke over humanity? As a percentage, it was infinitesimally small. Right. right. Did they have helpers? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did they have Confederates? Yeah. Yeah. People that signed on for some of the benefits, but they didn't come up with the plan. They just helped institute it because they were getting a paycheck. Yeah, institute and implement. But it took surprisingly few to get this thing underway. And I'll agree with with what you said many times, and I, I said it myself. It's not set up from a mortal mind. I mean, this is way too convoluted, way too deep. And I'm reading this article on UN's review right now, having to do with the uh, uh, how you can't touch two two different subjects in in America right now, and one's 9/11. What happened? Well, gosh, you don't believe the truth. You know, you don't believe what they told you. You're an idiot. And the other one's the Holocaust. Well, there's another and, one. There's another one that's come to the forefront here this week, Bob. And that's NFL players dropping dead on the Monday night football. And the NFL going, no, wait, it has nothing to do with the vaccines. What do you want to know about that for? Well, gee, I don't know. Coincidence never happened. Well, they put the NFL in a hell of a bind right now. Okay. Right here coming up to the playoffs, right at the end of the season with that showcase incident and all the backlash that's happening from it. What about all the rest of the players that are going, well, hell, what if I get out there? I took that damn shot. They made me take it. What if I get out there and get hit, hit in the heart with a helmet? Yeah. You know, one of the most compelling arguments to me about the whole Holocaust being, uh, let's just say, questionable is the fact that it was never even talked about for 20 years. That's right. It wasn't brought up till the 20s. It only be. Yeah, about 20. It wasn't yeah, brought up till the 30s. 60s. It wasn't brought up till the 60s. Okay. Yeah, because about the time I was growing up, I'd heard of it. I was born in 63. You know, I, I heard of it, but it wasn't a big hot subject. It was just something you, yeah, whatever. And in the last 10, 20 years, you know, it's just become this, well, it's it's a... It's an idol. It's a pillar of... of it's an yeah, idol for them. You see, you know, I remember... I've read, several, I've read several authors, both of whom are Jewish, in, in the religious sense, not the secular sense, not Zionist. And they said, man, it's just amazing, you know... When you really look into a lot of these Holocaust survivors, some of them weren't even in Germany when it happened. That's right. <laughs> but nobody hey, can question them. Because it's the red hair. Uh, hold on. Uh, if anyone wants proof, hard proof of, of this change that happened in the 60s, find an encyclopedia or a dictionary that's older than 1965, and it won't be in there. You'll yeah. have the Armenian genocide in there. Right. The Holocaust will just be a fiery death or a sacrifice or something to that right. extent. And it's because it was revised into it. Now, I'm going to throw this out there that Pastor Pete, I used to hear Pastor Pete say, because I don't know how many of you are familiar with Pastor Pete Peters. Caroline, are you familiar with Pastor Pete Peters? You ever heard that name before? Caroline's not. I can't say that I haven't, and I. I can't say that I haven't, and, and or that I have because okay. I've listened to so many. Okay, well, let me so, tell you. Uh, let me tell you. Have. Let me tell you. Who Pastor Pete Peters was okay. He gave me a bunch of big pieces of this puzzle. He was a, a preacher out of Laporte, Colorado, Church of Christ, and he converted because of Sheldon Emery. Sheldon Emery, from all the pastors that are doing all this, uh, the identity movement. Sheldon Emery was the was the progenitor of all that. He taught all those guys, okay? And Peters was one of them. And so 
uh, he used to have a shortwave program on WWCR. You can go listen to, to Pete Peters. His website's still maintained by his followers, and it's scriptures4america.org. Scriptures4america.org. Now, I'm going to tell you how important this guy was. When Bill Clinton got elected and he named Butch Reno as the attorney general up there, Janet Reno, they declared Pastor Pete Peters to be the most dangerous man in America, a little preacher out of a little town in the eastern part of Colorado, okay? And he had these guys nailed, all right? And what I remember him saying one night, I remember a lot of the things he said, but he said this. He said, see, we worship our God directly. They can't contact their God directly. They have to contact their God through idols. Now, I don't mean statues, graven images. He said the idols like abortion, political correctness, this Holocaust thing, all these. And he said, if you don't think they're idols, you look at how berserk they go when you attack them. So I just throw that out there as food for thought and noodle on it. I always kept it in the back of my mind. I brought it up to Brent before. Brent doesn't agree with it, but that's okay. I, I kind of personally think Peters was right. Okay. Let me let me ask you, Roger. Have you ever heard of a man named Pastor Buck? No. Oh, he's really good. He's, I'm sure. Well, there's a, old, he's long been gone. Right. There's a bunch yeah. of real good pastors bad. out there that just don't get the attention. They hadn't gotten the following yet. Uh, so there were several oh, people trying dead. to. He's, there was, there he's were several. Long dead. He's, oh, um, he's long dead. No, I'm not familiar with him. There were several other people trying to say something a minute ago. I don't want to exclude your comment. Yeah, Roger. Yes. Who's this? Hi. Are you talking to me? Yes. Is it Princess? Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. I, I've never called in before. Oh, okay. Um, it's Anna in Boston. I just... Um, what's your name? So the, hold on. Hold, uh, hold on. What, what's your name again? Anna. Janice. No, Anna. A-N-A. A-A-A. Anna. Okay, Anna. We got a little bit of... I'm not uh, getting you exactly. Anna from Boston, right? So you're new? First time? Yeah. No, no, no. I've called in before. Okay. I um I put uh, all my locals on notice uh, Saturday. Uh, four days later, I've got the police at my house. Um, <laughs> yes, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so they showed up at my neighbor's house yesterday. Uh, I don't know if they got the wrong address or whatnot, but um, when I got home from work, I... I called the station. We were on a recorded call. He asked all kinds of questions. You renounce your citizenship? No, no, I'm, I'm changing my political status to national, blah, blah, blah. That was last night. Today, they just left my house and confiscated all my firearms. Yikes. Well, it sounds like you got a nice lawsuit there. Well, yeah, so the chief of police, who's brand new, um, revoked my... License to carry conceal and well, you don't. Well, you, well you, first of all, you don't need it anymore, and secondly, you're going to have to go down there and talk to them and get your firearms back because they had no right to to seize those. Yeah, I understand that. I just, uh, I, it was, it's, it was just funny how it all. It just happened so fast. 
Did they ask if you were a sovereign citizen? He, you know what? On the recorded call last night, he did ask me that, yes. And you told him, no, I'm a national. Uh, of course, yes. Well, you may. This is where we might have to get offensive. They've been they've wronged you from the start. They've been put on notice. They came and seized your firearms, which you've got the God given rights to have, and you, now you got constitutional protections. So you need to go down there because they were put on notice. Now they've acted outside of their delegated responsibilities, and your new chief of police and his deputies have become personally liable. Um, Roger. Ask this girl to uh, get a hold of a man in D.C. His name is Dick Heller, and he's a, he's a friend of mine. He's the Heller gun guy. He oh, wants yeah. Supreme Court stuff. Right. She needs to get a hold of Dick Heller. Okay. He's a friend of mine. Anna? Okay. You, He'll take her call. Okay. Anna, did you get that? Dick yeah. Heller in D.C. What's the last name? Heller. H-E-L-L-E-R. He was the object of the big yes, Supreme sir. Court case that, on guns. Heller. Yes. Did Anna use okay, your um, Roger? Uh, did Anna use your affidavit? I have, I have, I have, I have no idea. Anna, did you use our affidavit or did you use somebody else's? No, I used yours. Okay. Um, I got uh, I I sent it to the Secretary of State. Good. I um, applied for a new passport with the passport card. I got that right. Um, and then I everyone on notice okay we'll see here's a point where it's going to be our job now to go educate the officials you're going to have to go and hold their feet to the fire and educate them a little bit you're going to have to get that certificate of non-citizen nationality from the state department where it says all u.s citizens are u.s nationals why the hell did you come and take my firearms what authority did you use to come confiscate these firearms that I've got a God-given, constitutionally protected right to own? Why did you do that? So you're going to have to get a little bit aggressive, folks. I never promised you, to, to paraphrase the old song from the 80s, I never promised you a rose garden. No, freedom isn't free. I understand that. I'm up for it. I just uh, I wanted to share with the group, um, you know, just how. Anna, I, you yeah. email me. Anna, email me. My email's right up there on the on the on the board. Can you see it's on um, the chat? Can you see it, Anna? Make, email me, and I'll make the introduction. Just try to keep she my name out of it, but I'll make the introduction. But keep my she name out of it otherwise. Can't I can't see anything. Oh, uh, I'm, Okay. Okay, phone. Anna. Can somebody, Anna. Can somebody send her my email. Anna. Anna. I want you to send me an email to Radio Ranch, no space at mail m a i l dot com, and go Anna from Boston. Okay, and I'll connect you with Caroline. Perfect, Roger. I I haven't seen the forum myself, but it's been a long time since i purchased a firearm but that has right on there from what other people said whether you're a citizen or a national that's right. right that's right you could go down and buy one at your local store to replace the one they've confiscated and you go through the fbi background check and tell them you're a national and they'll sell it to you what the hell is the chief of police confiscating your legally lawfully owned firearms for when he's acting outside of his delegated responsibilities 
another thing you might want to check is you might, I don't know what city or town or state you live in, if you want to divulge that or anything like that, um, your sheriffs might, might, might stick up for you. Well, oh, she's I'm, in... I'm expecting the sheriff to come by my house, too, with some deputies. <laughs> and say, so you got any firearms left we can confiscate? <laughs> no, they took all the Anna. Yeah. Hi, um, this is Brenton Vegas. Uh, do you know Lewis and the rest of the guys up in the Boston area? If I put you in touch... Pardon me, come again? I spoke with uh, Dell. Is that his name? Right, Dell. Right. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, well, I spoke to him a few months back. We had a short conversation. You might want to reach out to those guys. Skip up there too. I bet you Lewis is in Florida right now because he uh, winters your Massachusetts winters down in uh, Florida, generally. So he may not be in town yeah, right but now. He has some- but Lewis has some unique uh, insights you could probably use also. Yeah, I can put I'll you in touch. I can put you in touch with Lewis again. I've got his email. We just hadn't heard from him yet and been on the show. He probably listens to the podcast. But he's out like tuna fishing and stuff. So, All right, Roger. I'll send you an email. And oh. if you can um, hook me up with Carolyn and uh, Lewis. Um, yeah, I'll do that. I'm... I'm, I'm I'm almost pissed off right now. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. See, now you've got your real rights tromped on by these thieves, and they don't have the authority to do it. They think they do, but they don't. Anna. Send send Anna a fee schedule, Paul. (laughs) Okay. All right. Who else is trying to say something there? Anna, what was the reason the police? What was the reason the police gave for taking your guns? Well, they they uh, gave me paperwork that I had renounced my citizenship. Well, see, that's not right. Uh-huh. Boy, they've stepped. I'll tell you, Anna, you, you've got a hell of a case here if you want to pursue it. Fee schedule. Oh, I'm going to pursue it. Okay. You need to get a hold of your attorney general. Okay. Well, it, we're talking Massachusetts here. Hey, attorney okay. general. Yeah, right. I know. But, uh, but, but he's got the, he's got the, uh, the notice. Right, right. You, you, and that's not a bad idea if you did it right and put your attorney general and the local people on notice, and these local people are acting. What's the phrase, Mark, ultra-vires? Isn't that the phrase, ultra-vires, outside of their authority? Mark must not be with us anymore. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, would, I would take the double pro. Hold on, hold on, Samuel. Was that Mark? No, this is TP. He's acting outside of law. Yeah, it's called ultraviaries. Go ahead, Samuel. Yeah. I would take the double approach first. It's a great opportunity to tell this thug that she is actually repatriating, and you need to do the same thing and stand up for your constitution. Well, I'm saying sir. these examples are ways for us to educate folks. I'm about to sneeze. Sorry. So, <laughs> ah. But it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to – you ought to call them and request a meeting first and go in loaded with your information and show him where he's wrong and see if they're open to being educated. So noodle on it, Anna. It just happened. 
and uh you know let the dust settle a little bit but you got a hell of a strong position you're in right now in my in my way of understanding okay so who else has got something to bring forward in our fun and games i'd like to add like okay. uh yeah, that, that, that anti-government guidebook is really insightful and giving you a sense of kind of what, you know, what the police officers, what the clerks, what the courts, you know, how they feel about this whole national thing. I mean, a lot of people did a lot of really stupid shit for oh, yeah. years and years and years. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, they don't see you as an American citizen, uh, you know, just like you quoted uh, from that one gentleman in the 20s, you know, they see you as an outlaw. And right. uh, th- that's be- and uh, it's just been so tainted by all these dingabats who have been gone no- around for all these years saying shit that just simply isn't true. Yeah, and see? Like the whole fringe around the flag thing. Right, right. Um, spouting off that they're not under jurisdiction but without any proof and all this other crap. Right. Well, see, Anna's got a situation where she got, didn't you say this was a new chief of police? Anna, Anna, I think she, she said. I think she said it was a new chief of police. So here's somebody that's just stepped into the position, and they think they've got all this power authority, and now they are learning they don't. But they still think they do, and they don't want anybody challenging it. But that's exactly what I hope you're going to do, Anna. Well, and I think that's what happened. He just. Um you know, it feels like I stepped on his ego or something. Exactly. Well, the, the people in those positions got a lot of egos because generally it's psychopaths that have those positions. I would say nine out of ten chances this guy is working on that sovereignty thing that the FBI told him yeah. to, to, to move on. So, you know, again, this is where in these instances, not a lot of them, they come up occasionally, but we're going to have to be the ones that goes in and educates and sets these people right because they're clearly in the wrong. Clearly. Well, not clearly to them, but clearly to us and clearly to the law. Okay, so let us know how that proceeds, Anna. Interesting situations. First time I've ever heard of that. All right. Well, I got to get back to work. Thank you. I just wanted to um, okay. uh, keep the group okay. posted and, okay. and get some ideas. Thank you, well, Carolyn. I, somebody sent me an email by text message, so and I'll send you an email, Roger. Okay. Thank you. And we'll uh, look forward to speaking with you, Anna. And you got a good opportunity here to do some damage up there in your local area. All right. Okay. Thank All you, this, this is gun right. gun registration at work. Yep. They know she had them, yep. and they came to take them. Yep, and she and she had a concealed carry permit where she had to tell them what she had. I'm sure. Okay, mm-hmm. Wahib, was yeah, that you state, trying to say something? Is she from? Yeah, Roger, Massachusetts. Can I ask Paul a question? Can I? I want to. I don't want to get off the subject, but I have to discuss all this week on UFOs. I've been getting blocked my phone. He said when you press number and six. It unblocks you. Star, star, Wahib, star six, not number six. Yeah, yeah, I meant to say star six. I've been pressing star six, but after a while, I get blocked. Somebody on UFO, somebody can block you. On Jitsu, nobody can block you. Well, you're not. 
Paul, I, I have no idea what's going on with all this configuration format stuff, okay? Can you answer Wahid's question? Wahid, yeah, I can answer Wahid's question. Uh, when your mic in your phone is unmuted, every time there is noise in your room, it interrupts the show. So when there is noise there, you get muted. Because when you're not talking, you have no reason to be unmuted. You can stay muted and press star six and open your microphone when you want to say something. That is why you get muted is because you're in an area where there's noise and it interrupts the show. When you call in, make sure you're muted, listen to the show, and if you've got something to say, press star six and unmute and say it. Otherwise, stay muted. And that goes for yes, everybody, yes, yes. platform-wide. Yes, I understand, but but then I'd never get un- – once you mute me, you never unmute me. Uh, once I mute you, you can't unmute yourself. So what I would suggest to you is when you connect, make sure you're muted so none of the moderators or admins have to mute you. And then you'll be able to unmute it well. Okay. All right. So yesterday. I'm about, I'm about to mute my, I'm going to mute myself now. Okay. Uh, yesterday, hey, yesterday, Wahib, we got a conversation of you talking to one of the customers that were coming in where you're at work there. Okay. That's just an example. I'm not shaming you. I'm just saying. And we, it's just, this is such important information. It's so hard to grasp. And there's so many details for a lot of people that all that peripheral white noise information distracts from people's concentration. I'm sorry it's that way, but that's the way it is. Hey, okay. Roger. Yes. Did Anna say what state she was in? Massachusetts. She's in Boston. Oh, boy. Yeah, no kidding. Uh. Roger, I wonder if the guy who read that uh, judge's manual to deal with uh, Patriot Movement, whether they mention sovereign citizen in there and what their flags might be. Oh, yes. Lots of sovereign citizen stuff right, in there. Right, um, which, by the way, I did do a search for the term national throughout the document. National in our context is never mentioned because right. they do actually have in there a lot of the original documentation from a lot of the movements. Um, it's like a 200-page book, and 200 of the pages are just documentation from all the different movements that the government has encountered over the years. And you didn't pick up um, national. One when, section. How, when, when you searched that, national there, didn't show up one time, did it? Not one time. There, you uh, there was one reference, though, to state citizens. Right. So there has been, to some degree, you know, state citizenship under the 14th Amendment, but, um, you know, but whoever encountered that and figured that out, I don't think they understood national. They didn't. And I don't think they understood declaring your status to the Secretary of State. They didn't understand any of that because I've pioneered all that. Okay. Now, what date? Is there a date when that, what you're reading there off the website was issued? Because my feeling is. It was 1999. It, okay. So that was before we even stumbled. I mean, we knew about state citizens. State citizens are replete in all the old court cases you know, uh, from the 1800s. It's just replete in a whole bunch of cases. But they didn't know that they changed the label to national. But a state citizen is a national. 
because if you were remember the two lines I went over earlier, God, state citizen, citizen of the United States of America, that's a national citizen. So all they did was take the national from that and relabel it as that. And that's all this confusion has gone on. See, that's the hey, problem. Roger, what's the book he's talking about? It's a, the book on what's the website. What's the name of the book? It's on the website. Yeah, it's on the Matrix doc. It's called the the Anti-Government Handbook. Right. I guess it was a handbook the government pulled together right. to give to its clerks and right. its uh, attorneys and judges, all that to help judges, deal with sovereign citizens. Judges, all those people, you know, that circulated. It was a compilation of all this patriot mythology BS that's gone on for 30 years that I've been in it, okay? and But they don't have anything of what we're doing in there. You know, Roger, in defense of some of that patriot movements, uh, they also were highly infiltrated, if they were any size at all, by the FBI. Oh, they infiltrate everything. What was the, what was the, you know, the Proud Boys are coming to trial right now? I heard Pete, Pete, whatever his name is, talking about it last night, interviewing a bunch of people. There were 13 FBI informants in the Proud Boys. I believe he said 13. All the people that that uh, 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 converged on the Capitol that day and broke in, somebody's gone back and done facial recognition. All the people that broke into the Capitol were all FBI. They got them nailed with facial recognition. Did you hear about that guy that he was sending a text back to his nephew and he was actually yeah, propagated yeah, all of it? Yeah. Ray Epps. Ray, Ray Epps. Epps. Yeah, yep. Ray Epps. Yep, I heard all about that. So anyway, they're getting exposed all over the place, folks. I mean all over the place. Every vector of their agenda is crumbling on them right now. Hey, Roger. Yes, sir. There's Alan. Roger, Alan, I'm sorry I didn't recognize you. Hold on, Paul. Let me get to Alan here. Alan, what you got? Yeah, that's all right. I kind of got a little bit of a sniffles and a little yeah. My voice don't sound right anyway. Right, no, you know that uh, that book you're talking about. Uh, the government that handed. book was written by judges for judges. It it was written. Judges I thought I thought that it was written for judges. Yeah, I thought that too, Al. Okay, it was. It was written by judges also, though. Judges wrote the book. Right. Right. So what do you got? Just a cold or what, Alan? Yeah, just a cold. My okay. sinuses, I'm out in the dang cold, hot, and weather changing, you know, back and forth up here so much. Right. Actually, it depends on who you ask and how much money they can get from the government. <laughs> now, Paul, you were trying to say something a second ago, and I put you on the back burner. What, what you got? <clears throat> okay. Um. This... This entire program has been hell for moderators. Uh, we've got people that are attacking the room that are trying to get in here because once they're in here, they can set a password, they can set the room to private, they can enable the lobby, and they can start kicking people out. Now, there are moderators that are in these rooms that are vetting the people that are entering and allowing them in. And there are also people in PPN Studio that are willy-nilly blasting people right in from the lobby and allow and allowing them into the show. Anybody that 
is not a moderator that admits someone from the lobby will be removed. Okay. I'm I've, sorry, folks. I, I don't know how many thousands of times I've hit my mouse key so far during this show, and it's been absolute torture. Okay. Well, we don't want to put this Paul, entire show. We, you know, folks, look, we have a forum like was, this so that everybody was. can participate. We can ask questions and have these conversations. Okay. Unfortunately, we've gotten to a stage where they're infiltrating us ev- evidently. Okay. So, and I'm sorry we've had to make these adjustments and stuff, but if we want to continue to have the program in some semblance of this format, you got to please pay attention to the rules. We're going to have to put some rules in. I'm sorry. Okay. So please just listen to Paul. Don't screw with the buttons. Don't be letting anybody else in. There's certain people designated with these, this authority. And if you ain't one of them, don't be screwing with it. Please. Anybody that, uh, um, there are there are three of our regular people that have been ejected from the room because they refuse to not let other people in. And all we need is one nefarious person to get in here, and they can shut down the entire show. So knock it off. Okay. So we got a couple of minutes left. Somebody got something to bring forward? Nobody. I would like to mention uh, something else that's talked about in the anti-government handbook is that there's a lot of reference in there to uh, patriot groups pulling together their own common law courts and right. some of the results of that and some of the battles that they had to fight. Well, they hadn't they hadn't been able to win any battles because they're all serfs. They don't know about changing status and having a legitimate common law court where you got access to God God given rights and constitutional protections. That's the reason none of those things have ever gone anywhere. It's a bunch of serfs standing up and go, We're gonna overthrow the Lord of the Manor. Well, I don't even think that happened in the feudal system with a thousand years of precedent. And our people, see, they don't understand this differentiation. You're, you're either a federal citizen or you're a national citizen. One of the two. And all virtually everybody is federal citizens because they've agreed to it. It, the presumption rolls on. Who's the female there? That's Judy in Georgia. Hey, Judy, how are you? Hello. I'm doing good. Um, so if she ends up choosing to pursue this because they've obviously violated her rights, would she use a common law lawyer or how, what route would she go? I'm not really sure. We haven't had anybody pursue this personal uh, uh, liability thing, but if she could find a lawyer, uh, that would certainly help. Um, And somebody's going to have to pick up. But it would be not necessarily. Well, you're probably not going to get a regular lawyer. But would it be a Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I think I'm clipping over you. So would it be a specific type of attorney or lawyer that is more designated in the common law area versus your general Well, you you'd almost have to because none of the other lawyers know anything about this. You'd have to go in and educate you an attorney first. I, I would be inclined to think that maybe an immigration lawyer. Well, no, and I'll tell you, we had a, a gal who's a Vietnamese from out in California, Anita, 
And she's got a friend who's been an immigration attorney for 31 years. And when she presented this with him, to him, all he'd tell her is, if you do that, you're going to get deported. If you do that, you're going to get deported. And so finally, I shot her back some stuff to put in front of him, and she did. And now he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. So I'm not sure that's the answer. First thing to do is to go to the chief of police for her, to, in my mind, to go and set up an appointment with him, take in the facts and present it in front of him and tell him you want your damn guns back because he's acting outside of his, his, his delegated responsibility. And if he doesn't want to potentially get personally sued and liable, then he better give the damn firearms back. That's first step I'd take. I highly suggest I highly suggest recording it all. Oh, absolutely. Okay, and letting them know they're record. Let them know that they're being recorded. Just say, "Be nice." Let them know that they're being recorded, and so they'll have to behave themselves. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm in agreement with Roger like that to go there and say, "Look, you know, I bet." I bet you are just mistaken. Give them the benefit of the doubt. That would yep. be my approach. Yeah. Well, well they, they also have a legal department, so that guy should be in the know. Well, they should include him in the meeting. Right. Okay. I mean, look at Sarah. There were three attorneys in the meeting with Sarah out there in Denver, and they said, you're free to go. Take your rebellious daughter and get out of here. There's three attorneys in that meeting. She's already noticed the department in the police station already. If she's notified everybody else, that she's supposed to. So therefore, they're already on notice. They're on notice. That's why so they've already vi- they've already right. violated their delegated responsibilities because they came and say seized her firearms when she's got a lawful right to own them. And anything else, you know, see, here's the deal. When you do this, the original Second Amendment said that you're supposed to be able to have the same quality of of weaponry that the government has. So now, literally, you could go get 55-millimeter howitzers. They can't take those away. What I'm saying is the the department, the police department, has already been put on notice. Yes. signed by a judge. All right, who else is talking in the background, please? Damn it. Go ahead. Well, basically, your notice is the most powerful thing you have in your hand, and they can't do anything because they've been noticed. That should be that way. Due process. We follow due process to the T. They're the ones you, that's breaking you want due the process. Attorney, you want that attorney present and on the record as to saying he has that notice and he realizes it means something to him. What the hell is it? Okay, well, we'll just have to see how Anna progresses with this. And she's had to work and isn't with us now. So anyway, it's an interesting first, time, first time that's ever come up. Yes. Roger Monique posted in the chat. Um who signed the paper that gave her saying she renounced her citizenship and they needed a warrant to come into her home? Could I'm be. surprised that she let them in her home. Well, I'm, we don't know all the facts, well, obviously, the at this she, case. She didn't say whether they that's came the in or not. They probably already knew she had these firearms because she registered them. They probably came to the door and said, we want your firearms. And she probably gave them yeah, to but them. Very well may be what happened. Okay. 
Again, she's not with us. But she as had, far as saying she renounced her citizenship. Well, that's just wrong. I would be interested well, she, in learning what kind of a documentation they supported that with. Well, they consider this to be expatriation, and it's not. It's repatriation that they don't know about. See, this is all coming from a position of ignorance of the chief of police and his deputies. Hey, Roger. Yeah. As far as repatriation goes, is there anything that we can point to? Yeah, all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals. Okay. Okay. So there's the uh, there's the whistler in the background. We're at the end of our little time together today, it would appear. Uh, if anybody's got anything you want to address, get it quick. we got about 30 seconds. Hey, Roger, this is why it's important everybody prepare themselves. This is not a, a cakewalk here. you got to be prepared to take action when they come after you like this. Well, Get your stuff out of your name and into trust. That's why I told you, learn the information, have command of the information. It's just critical. It's critical. Okay? The people that willy-nilly file paperwork ain't going to know, have any idea how to stand up for anything because they haven't been re-empowered because they haven't learned the information. And they actually possibly, potentially put us up for some backlash because they didn't learn the damn information. That's right. And they write it on the Telegram group too, Roger. Do, do what, Mirka? I share I share that on Telegram too. It's so um, important. Learn the, learn the information. It's it's your freedom. Your information. Your freedom's in the information. Boy, it's difficult to get across to people. Everybody wants the easy way out. Take a pill. You got a headache. Going to buy something. Go run your credit card. This ain't like that. There ain't no instant gratification here. I'm sorry. I wish there was. There's not. Is your freedom? Learn the damn information. Okay, and we're about ready to get off the air here in a second. And we're going to lay our bodies down, and we'll see you tomorrow with Brent.